Welcome to another episode of Strange Sauna. Now, let me tell you, if you haven't seen the Denver International Airport episode, go back and watch that one because that is the episode that led me here. All right. The Denver International Airport led me down many roads, and one of them led to the proclaimed whistleblower, Phil Schneider. Yes, Phil Schneider. Specializing in geological and structural engineering and explosives, Phil Schneider allegedly spent 17 years working on black budget projects for the United States government, and he held a level three security clearance. He claimed that he helped develop deep underground military bases. We all know these dumps, right? At places such as the notorious Area 51, S-4, and the Los Alamos laboratories in Dulce, New Mexico, where Schneider even claimed to engage in a firefight with an alien gray. I'm not even making this up, people. It's going to get crazy. For the last two years of his life, Schneider toured the United States giving over 30 lectures regarding governmental deception and his involvement in highly classified clandestine activities. His work as a structural engineer on government black projects and the construction of deep underground facilities in the United States, coupled with the top secret information he was to discover following the death of his father, Captain Otto Oscar Schneider, led him to finally go public and forego his oath of secrecy in hopes that exposing the truth might, just might, encourage the nation to wake up to the deceit and empower themselves. However... In 1996, Snyder was found dead under suspicious circumstances, which led many to believe that he was killed for speaking out against these secrets. Was this foul play? Did the powers that be silence Phil for revealing too many skeletons in the black budget closet? It gets very interesting, folks, and we're going to dive into it all right now. Philip Schneider claimed that he was employed by Lockheed Skunk Works in Burbank, California, and then he worked on strategic renaissance aircraft, specifically the SR-71 Blackbird. He also stated that he worked as a government geologist, specifically for NATO, and that he had 17 years of experience involved in black projects. I'm Phil Schneider. Uh, I spent 17 years in black budget programs, um, government geologist as engineer, structural engineer, with aerospace applications, uh, self-taught metallurgist. He held a level three Rhyolite 38 security clearance. Hello, what is this? Having such a high level of clearance, Phil was authorized to report directly to one of three individuals, the president of the United States, the director of the CIA, and the associated base commander where he was employed. Now we'll get more into the security clearances in just a little bit. Between 1977 and 1981, he worked for Morrison Knudsen as a DOD construction contractor. Concurrently, between 1978 and 1981, Phil worked directly for the Department of the Navy, Office of Naval Intelligence. He spent months at Area 51 and was known as an interpreter for a guest of the government, which turned out to be a reptilian alien. What? Phil's work on deep underground military bases dumps took him to Russia, Vietnam, New Guinea, and Saudi Arabia. 
This guy's been all over the world. His work involved the boring of deep shafts from one to three miles deep into the earth and to analyze the rock structure and uh, for the purpose of building underground facilities. He had become an expert in his field. These cavernous spaces were created by exploding shape charges in porous rock, which would essentially, quote, blow the room into existence. Yay, yay. Throughout his lecture tours across America, Phil stated that his father, Otto Oscar Schneider, worked in naval intelligence and was also involved with the both Philadelphia Experiment and Operations Crossroads. Now, the Philadelphia Experiment, Big Ron and I will be doing an upcoming episode on that, so stay tuned. Oscar had been a captain in the Navy and was instrumental in the design of nuclear submarines. He was also a medical doctor who worked with nuclear medicine. Phil stated, though, on his father's deathbed, he made a confession indicating that he was a Nazi U-boat captain in Germany who was captured and repatriated during World War II. So this guy's father was a Nazi. The Philadelphia experiment was a military experiment carried out at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in 1943. It dealt with the feasibility of making U.S. naval warships invisible to enemy radar. Documents saved by Phil's ex-wife indicate that Oscar Schneider had a, quote, cosmic security clearance and that he participated in the autopsy of the crew members of the USS Eldridge, which was outfitted with a cloaking technology, allegedly, right? Phil claimed that the military industrial complex had succeeded in miniaturizing some of the technology associated with the Philadelphia experiment, which could make a soldier disappear This led to portable devices that could be worn on the person's belt. Like I said, more to come on that. Me and Big Ron. Operation Crossroads was a series of nuclear weapons tests conducted at Bikini Atoll during the summer of 1946. According to Schneider, Bikini Atoll was bombed due to the existence of a massive underwater alien saucer base. Apparently up to 500,000 saucers were destroyed in this test. Photos of the alleged UFOs departing from the area at tremendous speeds at the precise time of the detonation mysteriously vanished after Phil's death. So let's get into these clearances here, these security clearances, okay? Cosmic and rhyolite security clearances, what the f... So the standard clearances in the United States are confidential, secret, and top secret. However, there are clearance levels that exist above top secret, such as special access. So you have your examples of special access as your special access programs, SAPs, black budget, sensitive compartmentalized information, so SCIFs, Q clearance, we've all heard of this, right? Cosmic, atomal, or atomal, I don't know, uh, top secret, and Yankee white. That sounds like a delicious vanilla candle, doesn't it? I can smell it now. Allegedly, cosmic security clearance deals with UFOs, aliens, and particleization. I found a video on this. Take a look. About 38 levels above top secret. The highest is cosmic. That's okay. uh, I'll tell you right now. That's UFOs, aliens, and particleization. Now, 
Like you heard a while ago, there's only probably about 25 people in the world that know things that are known at that level. No president has had that level, has ever been cleared for that level. Eisenhower was the closest. Eisenhower wanted somebody to be in charge. He tried the CIA director, and uh, it didn't work. CIA was working primarily for itself. Most of the intelligence directors of the service is working for themselves. If you're on that level, there's an organization worldwide called ACIO. That's Alien Contact Intelligence Organization. If you pay your dues <laughs> and you follow the rules, you can benefit. Your government is allowed to benefit from that organization's information. If you're on that level, the man says, there's a worldwide organization called the Alien Contact Intelligence Organization, ACIO. Your government is allowed to benefit from this organization. So if you're on that level, your government can benefit from this organization. Now, imagine the secrets and the and the hush-hush and the stuff that you must do to stay on that list, right? Ooh, probably not good. Phil Schneider claimed to have level 3 Rhyolite level 38 security clearance. Now, what the hell is this? Right? That sounds like some Star Wars shit, doesn't it? Uh, supposedly, it's one of the highest security levels in the world. All righty. Apparently, this allowed him to have two social security numbers. During one of his presentations, Schneider told the audience, quote, I carry a level one. So now this is weird. I'm hearing that he has a level three Ryolite 38 security clearance, but then he told the audience he had a level one security clearance. So I'm like, what one is it here, bro? I carried a level one security clearance, the Ryolite 38 factor. There are very few of us. There's nobody except myself, to my knowledge, talking like this. <clears throat> nobody. I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking world as well as federal law, coming out and even talking about this to a group of people. It was after the murder of Phil's friend Ron Rummel, a suspicious suicide, and the death of his father, Oscar Schneider, in 1993, that he became galvanized to speak out on the government's black projects, the alien agenda, and the devious plans of the New World Order. Phil believed that 11 of his best friends had been murdered over the last 22 years, eight of which had been officially declared as suicides. Now, it's just weird, like 11, 22, Freemasonic number. By the end of 1995, he had numerous attempts on his life. One attempt included the partial sawing off of lug nuts on his Ford Taurus, which caused one of the wheels to fly off its axle, resulting in the vehicle flipping over and hitting the guardrail. My goodness. Undeterred, however, Phil routinely alerted audiences at his lectures that he was breaking the law by discussing classified information and was in breach of his national security oath. Disgusted with the fraud, waste, and abuse associated with the employment in uh, these black budget projects, Phil cut up his ID badge and mailed it to his employer. He regularly opened his presentations with the words, quote, I love my country more than I love my life. I love my country more than I love my life. Two weeks ago, I was shot in the shoulder. gory women out, but I was shot in the shoulder up here. I recently have become friends of a, 
of a uh, retired FBI agent who took me under the wing. He says, I've never seen a person braver than you. And I said, well, there's more coming. Our patriot movement in these United States is going to pick up the ball, and we are going to kick the parasites out. On display at Phil's various lectures were alleged samples of, quote, alien metals, okay, and photos taken by his father depicting UFOs departing the area of atomic bomb tests. We just talked about Bikini Atoll. So essentially, Phil Schneider's material can be broken down into six distinct points. You got the black budget, deep underground military bases, the Dulce Wars, advanced aircraft and stealth technology, the alien agenda, and the New World Order. So the black budget. Phil also stated that the military's black budget is $508 billion per year. Now, this was back in 1995, people. Our black budget, for instance, garners $1.023 trillion every two years. It's over $500 billion a year. Deep underground military bases dumbs. During his lectures, Phil stated that there were at least 131 deep underground military bases in the United States since 1947. In fact, according to Phil, the United States had been building underground bases day and night unceasingly since the 1940s. By late 1995, according to Phil, there were 1,477 dumps throughout the world. Right now, there are 131 active deep underground military bases in the United States. There's 1,477 of them worldwide. Each one has an average cost of 17 to 19 billion dollars. Each one is uh, built in the site. Uh, oh, it used to be it'd take a year to two years to build each one, and now they're capable of building a couple of them a year uh, with sophisticated methods. Many of these bases are over one mile deep and have over four cubic miles of material removed. Now think about this: like, where are you going to put all that stuff? Are you going to create a mountain or something? With all that dirt? Where are you putting all this four cubic miles of material? According to Phil, the bases are connected via a tunnel system that incorporates high-speed monorail magneto leviton trains. What in the X-Men is this crap? In fact, according to the Los Angeles Times article dated June 11, 1972, the Rand Corporation has developed a tube shuttle system that could take passengers and cars from New York to Los Angeles in a half an hour at speeds up to, guess what, 10,000 miles an hour. The tunnels are created using nuclear-powered laser drilling machines that can make up to seven miles of progress per day. As Phil points out, the total number of dumps does not match the total number of government officials that would be needed to evacuate in the case of a national emergency, so this indicates that these underground facilities are being utilized for another purpose. Now, what could that be, people? What could it be? According to Phil, 62 of these bases are used for housing short and tall grays, along with extraterrestrial crafts. The Dulce Wars. During August of 1979, a government geologist, skunk works engineer, and black ops contractor, Phil Schneider was commissioned to take part in deep drilling operations at Dulce, New Mexico. You better bet your butt on that. 
During the sinking of the initial four shafts, it became clear that many of the lasers and mechanical components of the tunnel boring machine, TBMs, were coming up broken. Now, he, I'm going to play a video where he talks about all this stuff, but it, uh, essentially they create four holes to make this tunnel, and they use these boring machines, right? And Elon Musk is all about those boring machines. I think he owns the company now. As they were drilling these holes in Dulce, New Mexico, the machines would come up broken. And Mr. Schneider and a number of other geologists were elected to travel down the shaft via a basket to determine what the problem was. Oh, gee golly, that sounds like a blast. Don't ever sign me up for that, please. Upon arriving at the bottom of the shaft, which was two and a half miles deep, a, quote, horrible discovery was made. It became immediately apparent that they had broken through into a large cavern that was infested with aliens. The creatures were described as type one, seven foot tall gray. Mr. Schneider was able to kill two of the creatures, but was hit by a light green cobalt radiation beam that was fired by one of the aliens. Badly injured and burned, but still alive, Phil was placed in the elevator basket and began a long trip to the surface while an intense firefight continued to rage in the cavern below. In the commotion, a total of 66 Secret Service agents, along with members of the FBI and Black Berets, were struck and killed by these aliens. This alleged confrontation has come to be known as the Dulce Wars. The Alien Agenda According to Phil Schneider, the Alien Agenda was known by the U.S. government as early as 1933. The purpose being was the complete takeover of the world by aliens by the year 2029. Now, this sounds familiar, right? The year 2030? Agenda 2030? The aliens were saying that who's coming back in the year 2029? The aliens? The Nephilim? He said the Nephilim is uh, aliens and they're actually human beings. They're clones. Come on now, this is all fitting together here. The Raelians, this guy. Woo! So, original notes from Schneider indicate that between January of 1947 and December of 1952, 16 UFO crash retrievals took place. These crashed down saucer retrievals resulted in the recovery of 117 alien bodies. Security and recovery of extraterrestrial or alien spacecraft was handled by a special military detachment known as the Blue Berets, which fell under the jurisdiction of Project Pounce. Sounds jumpy. A total of four treaties were signed between the aliens and the U.S. government. In 1954, the Griata Treaty was signed between the Eisenhower administration, the United States Navy, and a species of gray aliens who originated from Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, we all know these people. Come on. In essence, the Grieta Treaty was an agreement between the U.S. government and known malevolent aliens. Mm-mm-mm. The agreement allowed for the abduction, study, and genetic sampling of humans in an exchange for alien technology. Schneider also claimed that the ultimate goal of the SDI Star Wars program was to protect the Earth from an alien threat. I did not know that there was a Star Wars program, but apparently it's not just a movie. 
Phil claims firsthand knowledge that the United States government has, quote, piles of wrecked UFOs and that these craft were being shot down at the rate of seven per month. What? Seven UFOs per month? In Russia, there were, quote, football fields full of junked UFOs, which were being shot down at the rate of one per day. Oh, my God. Schneider also claimed knowledge that the entrance into the Roswell craft and other extraterrestrial vehicles was accomplished by dipping the craft into a supercooled vat of liquid nitrogen, thereby making the whole of the craft brittle. In its weakened state, a pneumatic hammer was used to break open the outer hole. It has been revealed that the Hittite-like cuneiform inscriptions were found on portions of the Roswell debris. The New World Order Agenda Phil Schneider constantly warned of a, quote, global takeover by the power elites, which would enslave humanity into a totalitarian dictatorship. In this, quote, new world order, citizens would willfully hand over their civil liberties and freedoms in exchange for government protections against manufactured threats. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? To facilitate this diabolical plan and to, quote, neutralize any patriots, Schneider claimed that 64,000 black helicopters were built. It's believed that these black helicopters were built to monitor domestic terrorists. Wow. Now we're seeing that, that term floated around again, aren't we? Domestic terrorists? Those patriots? The people who love the Constitution? My goodness. We better round them up. In addition, Phil stated that 107,200 prison boxcars have been built. These boxcars were said to incorporate 143 pairs of shackles. Hmm. That's enough for 15 million U.S. dissidents who refused to go along with the plan. These citizens would be shipped to one of the 600 pre-existing FEMA detention camps, which were funded under the Reagan-authorized Rex 84 Project, Garden Plot, and Operation Cable Splicer. Now let's get into the death of Phil Schneider. On January 17, 1996, an officer from the local Clackamas County Sheriff's Department broke into Phil Schneider's apartment. Upon entry into the room, Phil's body was discovered arched under an adjustable high-rise bed. His head was resting on a nearby wheelchair. It had been in the apartment for a week before it was discovered. Initially, the cause of death was determined by Detective Randy Harris to be a stroke. However, this explanation is suspicious for a number of reasons. In an unprecedented move, which is against Oregon state law, Detective Harris released the body to Mount Scott Funeral Home without it first being examined by the coroner. Two days after Phil's body was found, a startling discovery was made by the mortician at the funeral parlor. When Phil's body was being prepared for cremation, a rubber surgical tube was discovered embedded in the folds of his neck. The tube was wrapped three times around the neck and was double-knotted. Funeral director Rob Gaskill was furious at the discovery of an apparent murder weapon on his property. Eventually, Cynthia Dreyer, Phil's ex-wife, ordered an autopsy, which was performed by the medical examiner Karen Gunson. However, according to Cynthia, the autopsy report contained, quote, so many discrepancies that it almost felt like it was not the body of Phil. 
The report was inconsistent with what Cynthia knew regarding Phil's physical body. Now listen to this. Gunson made no mention of the metal plate in Phil's head. Nor did it mention that he was missing a right lung. Dr. Gunson declared the cause of death to be, quote, strangulation by ligature asphyxiation. In other words, Phil Schneider's death was labeled as a suicide. Although divorced at the time of his death, Phil's ex-wife knew him well enough to be or enough to determine that he would never commit suicide. He had strong religious convictions which forbade suicide. In addition, Phil had future plans with his friend Mark Ruffiner to collaborate on a tell-all book which would reveal the truth about UFOs, aliens, and the black budget and the New World Order. And guess what? In this book, it was also going to include the list of dumbs and their associated latitude and longitude coordinates. Could you imagine if everybody found out the location of all these places? I do have a, uh, a video of Phil Schneider's autopsy stuff. Now, warning. There are some graphic scenes in here, okay? So you will be seeing some graphic content. If you don't want to see it, skip forward two minutes. Here we go. They're saying this is graphic detail. So right here, you got the deceased. At this point, you had Phil died of a stroke. They said it was natural causes. There's some blood on the ground. It doesn't happen when you have a stroke, does it? <clears throat> yep, blood by his uh, shoe things. I don't know. Braces. Now, so here's his neck. Now, this is the disturbing part, everybody. It's a dead body. But look, you'll see this tube stuck under his freaking neck, bro. Look at that crap. The medical tubing you see around his neck was wrapped around three times before it was tied off into a knot. Phil's hands were both damaged in accidents several years before his death. You'll see why. Um, his left hand was missing three fingers from the alien attack, apparently. And he was left-handed. For him to achieve making the knot on the tubing would have been almost impossible without something or someone to assist him. It looks like someone tied the knot and cut off the remaining hose all the way up to the knot. The leftover hose was dropped next to him on the uh, on the bed where it was found, or when where he was found. Hmm, creepy. There it is again. All right, they have to lift up his head to see it. It was tied extremely tight and hard to remove. Now here you have it: asphyxiation by ligature strangulation. Karen Gunson strangled with surgical tubing. Strangled self with surgical tubing. Imagine that. Yeah, and this is just saying that the investigating police officer never found anything around his neck. And it wasn't until the coroner's report until they found it. Yep. Deputy examiner did not respond. Blah, 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 blah. So regardless, that is, that's enough. So that's, that's kind of what I wanted to show you guys because 
Doesn't make sense. I think this guy was straight up murdered. Yes, I think he was murdered. Uh, but I have some content here. I have a video that I do want to play. And I have some timestamps here. So the first part of this video is going to be Phil Schneider. He is at a uh, one of his conference things, and he's discussing aliens underground. This is the, the battle, the Dulce, New Mexico. This is the battle, okay, that happened. That during the unbelievable part, I was involved in building another base onto in inside of Dulce, New Mexico, which is Los Alamos Laboratory. It's a biological laboratory. On the southwest part of the Archuleta Mesa, uh, we built an underground facility, a better part of three cubic miles, hollowed out underground. Then to the southwest of that, we built, we were, we were in the process of the early stages of building, we drilled four large uh, tunnel-like holes. Some of them ran two and a half miles under the surface. Uh, number of the early, at that time, number of the original uh, uh, wells or dr uh, drilling uh, machines that were used were, were um, uh, at the rate of up two miles a day. It was fairly rapid. The equipment kept coming up broken. So we wanted to go down and we wanted to send somebody down there, a human observer, we talked about or this, human right? observers in this case, to find out what was going on. Well, to our total surprise, first of all, the government knew all about it. They didn't tell anybody. Uh, when I saw Green Beret and Black Beret people encamped inside of our geologist camp, I knew something was up. The gig was up. First of all, I knew all about the alien agenda. I'll explain that in a few minutes. See his hand? Look at that. The Fingers large alien off. greys had been encamped there for as best as believed possible about four or five hundred years. It had been one of their internal bases. And we we drilled holes right on top of it. All the stinking air, all the black sooty air came right out as soon as one of the first hole was sunk and all this soot came up. And Well, that's when it all, all the hail broke loose, really. So he's saying that... Uh... They drilled a hole, all this black, like, disgusting soot came up, and it stunk. But he said that this, these uh, aliens have been down there for 400-something years, right? 400 or 500 years? Oof. Here we go. All started. Anyway, after we drilled all four holes, it about a, two days to drill all four of them. And when you build a underground base, you drill four basic holes, and then you build... You call stopes or cross-member holes across, and you bla use blasting equipment, you know, special blasting equipment by the analyzation of the rock formation, and you literally blast out or tunnel out or, or deflagrate or melt rock out to build the large rooms that are required for this underground base. Well, in this process, I was lowered down the basket of one of these holes, and about from me to this elderly woman here in the front was sitting a seven-foot-tall alien gray. The stench was worse than the worst garbage can you can imagine. Uh, the person was at, or the entity was absolutely horrible. I didn't waste any time to reach for my pistol. At that time, as an engineer, I didn't have time to carry all the folder, all of one of these big submachine guns that all the sea spray and the yellow fruit and the, all the... Uh, Outer perimeter and inner perimeter security people carried. I carried a little Walter PPK pistol with a nine-shot clip. 
this was in late August of 1979. Now, you got a Now imagine, you're in New Mexico in August. That's got to smell bad. It's got to smell real bad. Regular suit of clothes. You got a regular clothes on. Plus, you're in a almost like a spacesuit environment, and you're reaching for a gun. It's it's not the easiest thing to do, and then to pop a clip in it and start shooting. And I killed two of them. Yes, they're mortal, and they do die. However, now I do like how he says, "and they do die." Mm, yes. Okay. In the process, uh, one of them did this. I re- all I remember is that he just kind of waved his hand in front of his chest, and the next thing I know, this blue beam hit me and just literally opened me up like a fish, and every, uh, burnt burnt my fingers right off of me, and it was some form of electrical force because the kind of like hit, being hit by a lightning bolt, burned all my toenails off of me, uh, completely crispy crittered my left foot, burnt the shoe right off of me. Crispy crittered his left foot. You can see his hand, his fingers are gone, or his fingers are gone, right? Now, I did listen to another show that did some research into Phil Schneider and said that his fingers went missing earlier in his life, like he had an accident or something, right? I don't... Don't know. Could have been aliens. Um, all I remember was the smoking remains, and I'm laying almost, I'm still conscious, but in and out of, I didn't remember much. And there was a, a green beret that was right behind me that risked his life. In fact, he died. But he risked his life. He shoved me back in the bass and hit the button and took me up. I wouldn't be alive talking to you today if it wasn't for him. I'm forever indebted. He lost his life. 66 Secret Service agents, Green Berets, Black Berets, crack troops lost their lives because the government, our United States government, lied, did not tell us anything about the alien threat. There's a war underneath there, and I'm talking dead serious. It's been going on since that time. Since... Late August of 1979, our military, the Russian military, basically the militaries of the world, have been in constant conflict with the outer space alien. The the small gray, the large gray, the reptilians, the whole thing. There There are 11 distinct races of aliens. Two are benevolent. One had to leave here in a hurry because their world is under attack, both on the surface as well as underground there, the Pleiadesians. They're familiar. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. Uh, would some of you raise your hands who've heard of Billy Meyer? Okay. So the next clip I want to play, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. Um, it has to do with working or aliens. There is an alien working for the U.S. Pentagon, and his name is Val Valiant Thor. All right. Now this this uh, sparked my curiosity here because I'm like, whoa, 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 what? An alien working for you guys, bro? What's going on here? Now, check this out here. I have a picture of one of the aliens been working for the United States Pentagon for the last 58 years. His name is Val, Val Valiant Thor. He's right here. There's my father in the background. 
All right, so that picture is hard to see. I'll insert it right here so you guys can see it. But you can see Val Valiant Thor is sitting up there in the front. And everybody's kind of in this room. And you have nuclear scientists in this room. You know, everybody looks like they're they're worried. They're they're identifying something. They're listening to this guy speak who's must be very important. Here we go. This whole place, the ready room of the USS Eldridge, Albilico, has probably explained or maybe even shown you this picture. There's a list of the some of the notable people in it. They're all the atomic bomb scientists of the day, all the uh, time variant uh, experimentalists of the day, all the top physicists uh, of that particular day. This was, in this was in August of 1943. Now, this guy has not changed one iota in 58 years started work, he came here, crashed here or whatever, whether he's under duress or not, he started work for our U.S. Navy and military operations in 1937, uh, either 37 or 38 is what I've been told. So it's for 58 years, this man's been employed, probably under duress. If you don't do as we say, we're just going to use you for alien bait or something, I don't know. But anyway, he basically hasn't changed. He lives for 490 years, what he says his lifespan is. Now, he is supposedly a semi-benevolent, he's a human-looking type person. He has six fingers and six toes, and he's got one oversized heart, one lung, giant lung. Uh, his blood vessels are bigger. He's got copper oxide for blood similar to an octopus. Uh, his brain capacity 300 centimeters greater than ours. He has a thinking capacity uh, IQ. If if you were to measure it, be totally off the scale. Be about a 1200 IQ. Um, he speaks 100 languages fluently, alien as well as others. Um, he's a remarkable person. I had a chance to meet him one time. <laughs> now what? Um, by the way, he doesn't shake hands. He was kind of in a spacesuit because all aliens, regardless benevolent or otherwise, they're carrying germs and diseases and bacterium in and on them that are deadly to us. If I were making policy, I'd quarantine them all because, because how do we not know that some of our diseases like AIDS, Ebola, uh, hantavirus, and a few of these other weird designer diseases, as I call them, are not made from the cadavers of some of these aliens as a biological weapon to use against the people of the United States. Okay, so now he's getting a little uh, into the biotech stuff, right? We're using alien DNA, alien tissue to create these pandemics, these viruses. What? Right? Seems very, very strange, but uh, this Val Valiant Thor, as he calls him, has a very, very uh, unique story to him. Apparently, he, he came here from Venus. He landed here with two other beings, went to President Eisenhower. The story is off the wall. So this next clip, he's going to be talking about Bikini Atoll. What I'm telling you is kind of a, almost like a brain overload here. Back in 1946, we set off a number, actually four atomic bomb tests at Bikini Atoll. It's a group of islands in the South Pacific. 
I have an original photograph here with original language on the photograph that shows there is a large alien spaceship off a wingtip of the United States aircraft. It was a drone aircraft right at the point where the bomb was beginning to show a neutron flash cloud. Here's the bomb going off. Here's the airplane tip here, and here is the alien spacecraft. Now, in 1947, excuse me, 1947, questions later, please. In 1947, Put your damn hand down. after Roswell, debacle. Debacle? Our military got before the U.S. Senate. They were hauled before the U.S. Senate and says, What's going on here? Well, we didn't know anything about disks until this happened. It flopped in our backyard. Total lie. They lied to the U.S. Senate. They should have been prosecuted as traitors. Came by lying to a United States Senator or House of Representative, any Senator or House of Representative person, President of the United States, Vice President, any any cabinet member, lying to the American public is a traitor and should be dealt with in an appropriate fashion. This guy's like Chris. Pull out the tarp, everybody. Uh, yeah, so... He, he does a lot of this stuff where he kind of um, grandstands and talks about, you know, getting our country back, I, which I like. But I, I'm here to I'm here to learn about the aliens, bro. Right. Tell me about that alien technology. That's what I kind of want to know about. So moving forward in this. We are going to be looking at carbonite. So he starts introducing these metals. Now, check this out, people. In my hand here, I have a piece of what's called corbamite. It's the heaviest element in the world. Element 140. This piece of material weighs 15 ounces. It's three and a half times the weight of uranium. It cannot be made to emit gamma rays. It cannot be isotoped. It is totally stable. It is used in all stealth aircraft and all Phoenix-class submarines. When combined with other alien elements, it is impregnable. It cannot be melted with charged particle beam weapon. When properly combined in secretive compounds, it can withstand temperatures in excess of 10 million degrees Fahrenheit. Damn. Is grown by aliens who have given a good... The other side of the alien question is, some of these aliens have broken off from their mainstream and said, we're not getting a fair shake, and so this is what happens. And I'm talking about the alien graves. Some of them broken away. They're talking about not being popular. This particular piece of metal is an amazing piece of technology. It's capable of being grown in 15 different crystal systems. Now, I'm a geologist, and I, prior to 15 or 20 years ago, knew of only six crystal systems. And it's actually 15, if you count all the alien metals. Now, this is only element 140. If you look at the local periodic table in your local library, it says 104. Somewhere down the line, we've been lied to and we've been cheated. 
what we have to do is we have to literally ask for the truth. If we cannot ask for the truth, we must demand the truth. We must take it before courts of law and common law systems, and we must demand it. If we cannot do this, our founding fathers told us the only thing left is to overthrow. Uh-oh. He said it. To get the parasites out. I don't advocate overthrow, but it does look like this may be the only alternative. Okay. So, see, he gets a little hoorah here every now and then. Not to say I don't like it, but uh, moving forward, we get into the nine races of aliens and the alien agenda to kill off the population. Now, I'm going to casually mention to you something that's very scary indeed. I'm going to tell you what the alien agenda is. It's going to sound very familiar. The alien agenda is the complete takeover of this planet, the killing off of five, six to seven-eighths of the world's population by the year 2029. Mm-hmm, there it is. The U.S. military has known about this for 45 years. They've told no one. As far as I know, I'm the only person standing before a crowd talking about the alien agenda. The military knew about this, right? The military is the only way? I don't know. Just saying. Secretively. Okay. They, back in 1954, I'll give you a quick overview. There was a great in 1954 treaty where Eisenhower signed a pact with the known alien species of the time. There were three at the time. And said that we're going to deal in high technology, but you can take a few head of cattle and a few human beings and you can experiment on them. It's unthinkable. It's stuff straight out of the Nazi death camps, and I'm getting you not. It's plain BS. And it's got to stop. This guy means business. Now, the Greed in 1954 treaty would have been violated after... After the great firefight, the alien-human war, I am the only living survivor talking about it worldwide at all. Only one. The other two are in nursing homes in Canada, and the Canadian government refuses to allow any U.S. people, including myself, to talk to them because they are afraid of kidnapping. Probably the reason I got shot to pieces and 11 attempts on my life is... I am a direct threat to the entire system. The New World Order, the alien agenda, is one in the same. It's world takeover and the decimation of the population of this planet. The New World Order and the alien agenda are one in the same, he says. Whew. It's a lot to think about. I'm going to tell you something a little bit different about the alien species. The bad news ones... There are nine races of alien populations. To look at a human being as a bag of food. They're not cannibals. They don't eat the flesh and the bones and all that kind of stuff. They use the glandular secretions of animals and human beings as a mixture of the vitamins for their food. They get high off of our adrenal gland. Wait, 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 what? They get high off our adrenal glands? He's not going to say adrenochrome, is he? 
substances called adrenal chrome. Adrenal chrome. <laughs> he threw it out there, folks. Man, this adrenal chrome's been around since 1995. How long have be- people been talking about this? I don't know. This is the oldest I've ever heard that word be thrown out there. Even though they said adrenal chrome. It's kind of like how Coolio pronounced it. It's, a, it's something like uh, cocaine to them. Now. Okay. So this is getting pretty crazy here, folks. Right? This this is uh, right up my alley here. I like this. This is good. Uh, but now he's going to be talking about Area 51 and the 131 underground bases that were all built with the black budget. Area 51 is only one base, one of the 131 bases. Of these 131 bases, I call Area 51 a mega base. It's got more than one base in it. It's Tonopah Test Range, Area 51, S2, S4, Groom Lake, and a host of others. Now, these mega bases are gobbling up our gross national product. Right now we're spending 28% of the gross national product on building underground bases solely. That doesn't count for the defense budget. That doesn't count for the spare parts budget. It doesn't count for any of that at all. And the black budget is dead, dead wrong. It sidesteps the United States Congress and its constitution of its people and says, you're a bunch of morons, you don't need to know. Well, a need-to-know basis is an executive order written during the Eisenhower era right after the created 1954 treaty and is treasonous and illegal in this country and should be overturned and abolished. Hoorah! Right? So he, he grandstands a lot. But he's not wrong. He's not wrong, people. Okay, uh, this next clip will be about the alien takeover and the underground bases being homes to the aliens. Here we go. See, there's his fingers being blown off. There you go. You to be. Now, all this alien thing is fine, except for one thing. Alien takeover is a serious threat. Kept totally out of the public view, off the surface, I'm sure the underground bases, without question, are being used as form a place to house alien takeover. Alien takeover means the implementation of a one-world government, direct opposite of constitutional law, direct opposite of freedom of choice, freedom of religion. Other freedoms that go with it. Right to bear arms. We are the militia of the United States. Every single person who believes in the Constitution of these United States and its Bill of Rights is a militia member. Are we going to tolerate what we've heard from Ruby Ridge? Are we going to tolerate what we've heard from Waco? Are we going to tolerate that a fertilizer bomb blew six sub-basement floors, and I'm telling you something about sub-basement floors of a, a World Trade Center. 
They're 29 feet thick each with seven kinds of rebar reinforcement. The only weapon capable of doing such destruction and melting the concrete and extruding the rebar and the I-beam steel up to six feet in length longer. Okay. So, yeah, he gets a little, you know, I'm not saying he's crazy, but he gets very uh, passionate. Okay. He gets very passionate about structural design, minerals. He loves his minerals. I saw another um, another lecture that he had. He was discussing all of these artifacts, all of these rare rocks and minerals that he has, and they were mixed and combined with alien substances, alien metals, not of this earth. Um, the reason why he comes up when you talk about the Denver airport is he has discussed the Denver airport. He says that the Denver underground bases are eight stories below the surface of the airport. He says that there's 131 bases in Canada and all around the world. There's 1,477, right? He talks about the location of the bases. He says that alien languages sound like whale squealing. Um, he actually even talks about, in this other lecture, he talks about the alien agenda and it's tied to the New World Order by using biological warfare. And in this discussion, he also brought up, you know, how AIDS and Hanta virus and all these different viruses he thinks were um, viruses that were found off of the flesh of alien beings. Says that that's being used to depopulate the earth. You know? There is a lot of, there's a lot of info out there on dumps, just in general. Uh, I found a video of Jesse Ventura. And there was somebody who was interviewing a guy saying that, yeah, there's underground bases. I'm going from here all the way up to freaking Washington, uh, D.C. Entire, what, city underground? Really a city underground. How many underground facilities or caves do you think you've been in? Boy, time about a dozen caves or a dozen cities underground? To your knowledge, what are they used for? Why, why underground and why a dozen of them? Survive the end of the world. Look at this. They got room for two lanes of 18 wheelers. The road literally goes on for miles. Look, there, it's branching off again. There was a, a truck driver. He said that he dropped off some goods in the Ozarks to the state of Maine. So he went from the Ozarks all the way up to Maine. That's what is that, 14, 1,500 miles? All underground? So this stuff does exist. I mean, they've there's... Um, what is that? Uh, Derinkuyu, Derinkuyu, Turkey? Look at this place. Right? How old is this? They found it in 1963. A man accidentally discovered a tunnel... And it just led down into this cavernous city. Look at this. You know what I mean? Like, this is a rendition of it. This is what it, they think it looks like. Oops. Yeah, that, that won't work. But, I mean, you have all these caverns. They, they even dug in these ventilation wells that go all the way down. Let me see if I can open this in a new tab. Look at this. 
This is an underground city. One, two, three, four, five. I mean, how many stories below? Seven stories? And this is how long ago? Ancient civilizations? They're building these. They knew to, like, drill these well holes all the way down so that way they could get air. Look at that. So this stuff has been around for a long time. These underground structures, underground cities, underground bases. It's not a new thing. So the fact that they could uh, perfect it with these boring machines that would melt the metal, melt the rock so fast that it would create this glass-like substance on the walls. You know what I mean? Fascinating. Very fascinating topics. Very fascinating ideas. I really want to know what's going on underneath us. I think everybody does too. So if you like the episode, leave a comment. Let me know if there's any additional information that you want me to check out on dumps because there's a lot. There's a lot. This is just one of many conversations. And we just barely skim the surface if you think about it. So yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me on this episode of Strange Sana. Love you guys, and we will all talk to you soon. Bye-bye.